Hey, everybody. Did you want kind of an extra themed episode this week? Guess what? Either way, you got it. Yeah, (laughs) shut up. It's coming (laughs) into your ears. You try to not listen to it. I'm going to punch my way through your head. How's that sound? And it'll be your fault. It's your fault. You're being dumb. Your ears are stupid. And uh, we're glad you're listening at this point. Yes. It <laughs> was very passive aggressive. Yeah, that was. But we're it's glad like, that you guys listen, even though you're stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that's um, my childhood. Uh, yeah. That's, 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 why, hey, Graham, why are you a comedian? Yeah. There. Oh, there you go. It's going to be a longer episode than yeah, I expected. We're gonna yeah. We're going to get into some weird stuff. Please welcome Paul Gil Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we probably yeah, yeah i haven't been on his show in a while yeah i so. need to i need to iron some stuff out. Yeah. um but uh podcast always cheaper than therapy to a certain extent yeah <laughs> does paul charge you no but i mean there's there's added costs <laughs> When you when you run your mouth into one of these microphones about yeah. stuff that you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have yeah. brought that up. Yeah, there's, there's a, some tweets. There's some collateral damage that's happened. Sure, just perhaps not as financially. From uh, a pure, pure dollars and dollar cents, point, pure yes. dollars and cents. Yes, yeah. this is cheaper than therapy. <laughs> from an overall cost. Yeah, from a life money. For, from from a, life from money, a, it might be even. return on a life yeah. investment. Yeah. This is a, this is a lot more expensive. Let's be fucking honest. Yeah, we're in a garage that has T-shirts of podcasters towering over our heads. Oh, it's great. Yeah, if there's an earthquake, we're going to be beaten to death by Dana Gold's merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I want to die. Yeah, I want a stack of merch to just fucking suffocate me. He he died doing what he loved. Yes. Having unsold merchandise. Fall on him in a garage. <laughs> he, died. He, he died making bad financial decisions. The, the thing he loved doing. And running his mouth inappropriately on a mental illness podcast. Assuming people would want to hear yeah. his voice. This is episode 318. Yes. I'm Graham Elwood. I'm Chris Mancini. We've got a very uh, special episode. Yeah. So normally, guys, we we do the regular shows where we talk about movies that just came out that week. We're going to do a special episode. We're going to talk about movies that have been funded by Kickstarter. Yes. Kickstarter-themed movie episode. Kickstarter-themed movie episode, uh, which is pretty cool. And we'll we'll get into it. And we've got Um, a very special guest. Very special guest. Uh, First time in garage guest. Yes. Um, Not the first time on the show. First time in studio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you you uh, yours made it sound more i did fancy yeah. i said mm-hmm. garage which sounds really yeah. sorted it sounds really webcammy yeah <laughs> but before we do that we have a sponsor for oh, this episode shit. Yeah. and touch of modern is back touchofmodern.com. Oh, I, I, love touch I, I love this sponsor because too i i've have a bunch of stuff in my house from Touch of Modern too, just from them sponsoring this episode. I've got some great artwork. I have flatware. I never thought I'd be buying flatware from a uh, a sponsor, wow. what but are you, it, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> we just happen to need flatware, and Touch of Modern made it so easy. I got a serving for eight. I keep forgetting that you're married and you live in the suburbs. Yes, and we actually have needs of things like so dishes none of and my utensils. Surf friends ever yeah. go flatware. Yeah, <laughs> even though we're all the same age, none of them are like, "Hey, Graham, I got some new flatware yeah. today." It's surprising what it, what excites you once you're married and have a house <laughs> in the suburbs. It's like, oh my gosh, new upholstery. Um, I. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to my mom. Yeah. We reupholstered the couch. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You have to come over and see oh, it. Oh, I can't wait to look at new upholstery on a yeah. couch. Yeah. Oh, and flatware? Yeah. It's it's we're having a party. Oh my god. Do you have a shoe tree yes. that I could look at? We're pricing them out. 
God. Your weekends are just fucking insane. Oh, amazing. I'm wasting time at the beach. and Yeah, oh. you don't know what you're missing. Damn it. Damn yeah. it. Yep. Laundry, taking kids to birthdays. It's You don't understand what you're missing. <laughs> um, so anyway, touchofmodern.com. Yeah. Reminds you, don't have kids. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wait, is that what the ad copy says? Yeah, yeah, I misread the ad copy. I misread the ad copy. There is stuff for your children at Touch of... I don't know. There is no, a, I, actually, <laughs> I love Touch of Modern. I was reminded mm. of it because I was working in Las Vegas this past week. Yes. And I have my travel toothbrush now. It has one of those uh, ultrasonic laser beam mm-hmm. toothbrush cleaners right. cases. Uh-huh. The blue light shines on it, and then your teeth have superpowers. Yes, is, it's, I've heard of that. It's like a radioactive spider. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, it's one of those things I was like, man, it's so cool. I love Touch of Modern. I have uh, an awesome pair of shoes from them. Hmm. On a tree? On a, no, not, a, not yet, Chris. <laughs> I'm, I'm tree shopping. I'm shoe tree shopping as well. So I love Touch of Modern. Um, what else do I have? I have a solar battery that's about the size of like a bigger iphone and you i leave it out in the sun like when i go to the beach and right. then that's how i charge my phone so i'm not using oh, i'm, I'm staying off the grid and mm-hmm. then it also was a flashlight mm-hmm. and this company that i bought that from gives some money or they donate some of these to like third world countries where people can get power right. and light sources instead of burning kerosene oil which is highly you know flammable and dangerous and everything so that's what i like about touch of modern is they always get new different cool stuff and it's every week. It, it's uh, it changes. It's there's tech gadgets, iPhone cases, accessories, new and vintage watches, uh, home decor. They got this home push up thing I'm looking at right now. Right. Oh, and you can move it around. Now let's get into some working out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it changes. And the great thing is, it's like it's kind of like a club. It's 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 like when you shop on Touch of Bond and you're like, well, there's nothing here. Then I oh my god, I want that. That's one of those things where this is like, oh, this is exactly what I didn't know I needed. Now I'm buying it. A couple times I'm like, oh, I, I, I got to remember to get that. And then I forgot. And then it's gone. And I'm mad yeah. at myself. So you got to definitely get it on time. And you just go to touchamodern.com. You sign up. It's all free. Stuff changes all the time, but it may not be there the next day. So if you like something, you got to get it. So go to touchamodern.com. There's no uh, fees to sign up or anything. You're in the club immediately. Boom. I just saw some x-ray shoes that make athletic sneakers. I think I'm going to make a purchase. Yeah, I'm going to get some x-ray shoes. Anything that I think might give me superpowers, I got to buy it. Right. Just in case. So you can see through the shoes? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My feet can see through people? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. I would Mm. do either one of those things. X-ray shoes could be anything. Um, All right, so let's introduce our guest. I think we should. Introduce. She's been remarkably patient. I was amazed. Yeah, I didn't honestly. I, I wouldn't have been that quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no way. Very respectful. <laughs> you and your X-ray shoes <laughs> and your sad life in the suburb. Disrespecting you guys out of space. I'm gonna give you your space. I'm in your domain now. I'm in your fiefdom yeah. here in the garage, and I don't want to be crushed by Dana Gould's t-shirts. <laughs> Just staying on my side. Staying on my That's side. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Aisha Tyler, ladies and Hi. gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you the first time you were on the show was at the festival, yes. Podfest mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. years ago yeah. with Joey McIntyre. That was so fun. That was a blast. Yeah, was mm-hmm. Where sang happy birthday to Sanai. We sang happy birthday to Sanai. It's in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's in the movie. Oh, mm-hmm. so uh, nice. What is not in the movie is you slapping my leg and saying cunt button repeatedly. Yeah, cunt button yes. repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you left that out of the movie because I thought that was a really tender moment between us. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, your storytelling abilities leave a lot to be desired. <laughs> I don't understand second act tension. 
action. <laughs> yep. Trying to build up the stakes between characters. That's fine. It's all right. We'll you, talk about that. You left out all the nuance. Yeah, all, oh. the, all the nuance. All the nuance. Was that moment too subtle for you? Is it too delicate? Yeah, emotionally? it yeah. was. So, so it wasn't playing, guys. It didn't I land. I just wanted a special <laughs> yeah, effects. Yeah. If you I could explode. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll do it next time. I'll say cunt button slap you, and then you'll explode. Right. And that'll be end of season, act two, right. like moving with into act three. With my x-ray shoes. Exactly. With yes. your x-ray shoes. Yeah. You fly away <laughs> with your UV braid teeth. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really understand what your superpowers are. What character in the DCEU are you? I have no idea. X-ray teeth guy. How uh, How is your podcast going, Girl on Guy? It's going good. You know, um, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but at, um, at the... What, month is at the end of last year, I took it from five episodes a month to one episode a month because I was so busy that I wasn't able to service it properly. And it wasn't even like I couldn't get it posted, although I couldn't get it posted. I, I, I couldn't get shows recorded because I didn't have any availability. So I couldn't book anybody, you know, right. I was like, I started doing Criminal Minds and I just didn't have any more bandwidth to make the podcast so that was really heartbreaking but i and i was gonna put it to bed for i was gonna kind of put it on hiatus but then i loved it so much it's like well maybe i can just get one episode a month done mm -hmm. so that it's just been that's what i've been doing for the last like, and what's months. it like working on criminal minds it's great it's great i was only supposed to do six episodes i was just in there for my hiatus last summer and it was it worked magically because it was like i came on while i was on hiatus from the talk and while i was on hiatus i always put my podcast on hiatus for like a month so you August. were like the daryl of walking so dead so <laughs> i was the daryl of walking dead or um or what was the character that was supposed to oh that what was um oh god you guys are having a stroke um well, <laughs> One of, one, of, one, of, one of 11 I'm going to have in the, yeah. just on this show. Um, Walton Goggins' character on Justified was just supposed to be in that right. pilot episode of the, ended oh, up being really? like the nemesis. He's the, of right. the and he's so Because he's so amazing. Boyd Crowder. Yes, exactly. So I was, I'm the Boyd Crowder of Criminal Minds. I was supposed to do six <laughs> episodes and then it just I ended up doing 18. So, you know, I was going from the talk in the morning. I'd be there from like seven to one. And then I was going straight to Criminal Minds and I was there from like two to midnight. And so I just oh had no God. time to do anything else. And so my podcast is going as well as as, as it possibly can. Just had Violet Davis on her episode hasn't posted. Oh, oh my God. Dave Navarro just posted this last mm -hmm. week. So they've been, I'm getting great up and I'm really trying to make them count. You know, if I only right. one, I want to be somebody really amazing. Although all of my podcast guests have been incredible, but, um, but it's just a different it's just a different experience now because I was doing four plus a bonus every every month and and now I'm just doing the one. What is what was Viola Davis like? That must have insane. Been. I mean, she's so amazing. You know, I just like try not to breathe too hard. Right. Um. You know, and I it's like what you guys do. It's just me and them. I don't have an engineer or anybody right. making my show, and I don't al actually allow my guests to bring anybody with them. So, mm -hmm. um, because it just you just get a different conversation out of people when they're when you have them cornered. Right, <laughs> you can see the whites of their eyes, much as I look right now, like a dog in a corner with my ears back. You know, um, so she's extraordinary. You know, she's just an amazing person, an amazing actor, and she had a really difficult like early life, and really? we talked a lot about that. She grew up really, really poor. Like, I mean, ins insane poverty, and um, you know, no running water most days, no, no mold, rats, no food, um, <clears throat> and then was bullied, you know, uh, be, because of that and because of a lot of other things. And so she just talks about, I mean, bullied not on a like, like teasing level, like a getting chased home in fear for your life level. Right. So um, we wow. just talked a lot about what it was like for her as a child and kind of how that fueled her becoming an actor. And Oh God, I'm going to listen to this wow. episode. It's a good one. It hasn't posted posting, it's posting in May. Um, oh, but yeah, great. it was really, and then David Navarro just went up this past week and you know, a lot of people probably don't know this about David Navarro. If you don't know who he is, I mean, obviously the guitarist for uh, Jane's Addiction and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and a lot of other bands. He was a solo artist, but 
his mother was murdered when he was a teenager. Oh, my God. Yeah. And on a night when he was, his parents had divorced. And this is public knowledge. You hear about it in my show a lot more in depth. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I'm you know, telling some people that, that information they don't know. His parents had separated. And he was with his living with his mom. But he had gone to his dad's that night. But it was a night his dad wasn't supposed to have him. So, like, typically his, 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 he went to his dad's on Thursday, but for some reason this week he went on a Wednesday, and that was the night that his mom's boyfriend came in and killed everybody in the house. Oh, my God. And if he had been there, he probably would have been killed, too. So he just made a documentary about it. And uh, so we talked a lot about that, Oh, my God. And how that affected him and how it fueled his addiction or, get, you know, I mean, it was just... So I've had some really, some doozies. So the podcast yeah. is going amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Really, really great. But um, I love it. You know, and you, I mean, I just have... Such a, I always had not a love hate relationship with my podcast, but like a, a door in 90%, 20%, or 80% adore, 20% resent. Cause you know, when you're up at three o'clock trying to get a show up and you're late and you're pissed at yourself and you're pissed at the world because you're tired. <laughs> and then if the, the FTP isn't working properly, yeah, it's or not love loading, out. or you're yeah. traveling and it's you're like, you know, do yeah. times out like eight times in a row and you want right. to shoot everybody in the face or, or yeah. if you're in another country and or you're happens. in Australia yeah. and you've been up yeah. for 36 hours <laughs> right. and you're trying and to post Australia an episode. You. Yeah. 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 You know, and you're like, my fans are going to come eat my liver with, you know, right. <laughs> Knife and fork, um, but when I just when I when I considered oh maybe I need to put this on hiatus for a little while I was like so bereft I just missed my show so much so I'm really happy that at least I'm doing it a little bit. Well, it's funny listening to you talk. Let's we'll, we'll get well, let's let's talk about Kickstartering. Yeah, is that a word? Kickstarter. It is sure. now. It is now, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Um, Kickstarterified. Kickstartering. Kickstartering. Kickstartermatering. <laughs> um, yeah, because this <laughs> it's so funny. Like this is the the. I, I totally, I've said this before in the show, but I, I, it bears repeating now. I understand editing earbuds, mm-hmm. working on it for the last two years. Yeah, oh yeah. I understand now how podcast listeners are like, I feel like I know you because I listen to you all the time. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen you in a while, but I've watched your interview oh. so yes. often. Like, I feel like I've talked to you and, right. and and everything you're saying, but oh God, that's right. She says that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard oh, you funny. talk about that. And, and it made it into the movie. Oh good. Like, yeah. Made it into the movie. Yeah. And, and that was the thing. That you were saying uh, in earbuds, which was a Kickstarterified film, mm-hmm. um, is <laughs> Kickstarterathon is is a thing, and several comedian podcasters said similar, which was it is it, you called it a labor of love, and then you even said in the interview, but fuck, I guess I got to keep making it. So yeah, the, it yeah. Is the, yeah, like we all we all have that. There's a part of me sometimes where I'm like, I really am driving to the goddamn valley again mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, fucking do mm-hmm, this, and mm-hmm. then. We get here and we do it and we start talking about the movies and I'm like, this is so awesome. This is so yeah, great. Every, exactly. every, I remember specifically that moment saying to myself, all right, I'm putting this show on hiatus. I'm just going to, I'm not going to put it to sleep forever, but I'm just going to take like six months off so I can focus on this other stuff. I And then getting ready to do that, I sat down to do an interview and I was like, oh, f- oh fuck, I can't, I can't stop up. doing yeah, this. I can't, stop, I can't yeah. stop. Like I was like so delighted and like not in myself, just in like the process and the experience, and then even maybe knowing what it might be like as a fan to listen to a show you love and just to be so engrossed in it. I was engrossed in it making it. You know what I mean? I wasn't like feeling cavalier at all. I was like, oh right. man, this is my. So yeah, I mean, it was, I just remember that moment in the, I was like listening to somebody talk. I can't remember. Oh, I was interviewing Joe Mantegna. And I was like 15 minutes and I was like, I cannot stop making this podcast. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Because yeah. it's like you say, especially, I mean, when you interview anybody, but especially when you're talking about a, a big star who's used to doing the slicked up, 
produced, you know, mm-hmm. publicist hanging over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. To get them to sit and just hang out and talk. Yeah, so like, like getting the president to do that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all like to do that. Right? Like, <laughs> wait, like, imagine the number of podcast requests that the, right. <laughs> that the, uh, the White House got after that <laughs> Marin episode. Like, why the fuck did Mark get the interview? <laughs> Come on, man. I, I've been to the White House. I, I, would, I volunteered. I have, a, I have a bumper sticker on my car. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the thing like i just was a guest on um josh wolf's podcast mm-hmm. and i haven't seen the guy in probably seven well I, we ran into each other at morning radio about mm-hmm. five years ago in seattle mm-hmm. and the thing i love that it reminded me of is so many comics that i haven't seen in forever you reconnect and you we didn't put this in the documentary but you say this in your interview is i don't talk to my family for an hour every week mm-hmm Mm-hmm. An hour. You yeah. sit and have a yeah. conversation mm-hmm. for an mm-hmm. hour mm-hmm. where you laugh. Like a personal and, conversation. Yeah, personal. like an intimate conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll laugh about, and then 30 seconds later, you're talking, oh man, that's really like, yeah. we just fucking had it. You just yeah. talked about Dave Navarro's mom getting murdered and we all like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then there's jokes. And then mm-hmm. like that experience alone, I've reconnected with so many comics mm-hmm. I haven't seen mm-hmm. in forever. Met new ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. when you go on the other podcasts too, like I've been doing this podcast blitz for the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and it's uh, somebody tweeted, "I'm you know I'm going to call it uh, April Christmas Cinema moment because you're on every podcast I listen to." Ah. But it was ones that I had never also never been on before. Like yeah. I did Crab Feast for the first time. Oh, it Crab was Feast so is great. Fun. It was That's amazing. I loved show. it. Yeah. And then I found a couple other uh, new ones or ones that I hadn't been on for a while, like Geekscape mm-hmm. and some of these other ones. And it's great to go not only meet new people, but also to reconnect with people that, like you're saying, comics that we haven't talked to in a mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. Crab mm-hmm. Feast, when I was on there, because I don't know those guys that well, and I knew mm-hmm. we had had them in the festival, and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, let's do your show. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I joked about it on the episode. I felt like I was there was two cops. <laughs> they were doing like good cop, bad cop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, because then... I'm like just telling stories and all of a sudden I'm talking about how I broke into houses when I was younger. Right. And I was like, Wait, why is this coming out of me? Yeah. And, and I think it was Jay goes, 10 minutes in, I got you copping to a B&E. And I was just like, oh, like, they got me. I like Jay Larson, by the way. Very nice. Well done. But it's also interesting, like I found with my show, and that's been really nice, is almost every guest says at some point, I've never told this story before or I haven't ever told anyone this before. Right. And... It, it's the intimacy of this format that's so different from every other thing. Right. That even, you know, if you get somebody like a, you know, a, a big star, or whatever, just someone who doesn't, they're typically used to the three minute, the seven minute interview where they got a prepackaged story that they worked out with the producer. Not their fault. That's just how those shows work. You right. go in and they ask you a bunch of stories and they go, okay, remember that you told me the story on the phone. Now just tell that story when you get out there. Jimmy's going to ask you that question yep. and then you tell that story that we talked about. You know, it's all so. It's a three minute story that you've rehearsed for seven yeah, days. Yeah. And, right. you know, it's... I get it. They've got to make sure that they deliver three great minutes of TV, but there's mm-hmm. no fluidity. I mean, Craig Ferguson was probably the you know one of the only guys to try to force the format out of that you know he would just be like i don't care i'm not gonna ask you that stuff we're just gonna fuck around but then maybe you wouldn't get to promote your project properly whatever (laughs) it was you know but like i've had a few people on my show like i had robert patrick on and he i know i don't think he'd ever done a podcast before and and he was like wow this this was this was really cool 
Right. I was like, yeah, because you mm-hmm. got to be like a person, right? Like, you, got, you know what I mean? You got to be like a human being, and you it, like you got to take your time, and you got to just like be here, mm-hmm. you know. And and it, it's it. There's nothing like it. There's just nothing. My keys are making a terrible sound. Oh, <laughs> um, a terrible, terrible. And so guest. far, the um, the publicists haven't been following talent into the podcast studios. Oh, that, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I won't allow it because occasionally yeah. someone will show up with an assistant or a publicist. Like Dave showed up with a publicist. I don't think it was his fault. I, whatever. I don't think it was anybody's fault. You know what I mean? And I just. In the past, we would be a little bit more like soft shoe about it, and now I'm just like, just you just can't come in. So if right. if if that's not okay with you guys, then we don't have to do the interview. But I have that luxury because sure. I, you know what I mean. Like I have another yourself, job, yeah. and right. you know, and, and people know my show, and mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like a couple times it's been. I always tell everybody though. Also, like I'm not a journalist, so. Like I want, it, I want my show to be super safe. So, like, yeah, we're not, if you say something that you don't want in the show, I'll cut it out. Right. I'm not here to get you. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I think that's true. I think we all, as podcasters, like we haven't had to say that to a guest in a while. But we're usually meaning comics that we yeah. Sort of comics know. don't care what Com- anybody thinks. Clearly, comics don't care what anybody thinks about them. <laughs> yes. We are dead inside. <laughs> no, sh- literally, yeah. we don't have the capacity for shame. But like, but so, that's true though. But but big so name- we have to shame them for them. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. We we'll, can create cu- shame yes. for them. Yeah, <laughs> and like, cut out the time cone on our own. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we manufactured to- shame and then we yes. took that out. Just- but uh, but we've had to do that. You go go say, uh, you know, we're not. This isn't Barbara Walters. I'm not yeah. looking to get you on something. Yeah, like I want you to tell the truth, but I want you to know, like, if at some point you're like, "Whoa, that was too much truth," like it's gone. I want you to, yeah, just, yeah it's like, no anything problem. You do want. you have yeah. a problem, or do you know? Like, I notice for myself, like, if I'm on the road and I'm doing morning radio or or like a Good Morning TV show, like mm-hmm. Good Morning Denver or whatever, that mm-hmm. I always got to like remind myself, "Oh, that's right. This isn't a podcast. I right, got to like right. soundbite and slick right. it up." Right, right, yeah, and it's when you're, you know when you're on the road and I feel like I was very good at this for all the decades that I was on the road. Um, I was really good at like remembering I was on morning radio. Like I, I would always have sure. to do the mantra of like, this is morning radio. You can't say fuck. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. That would be my uh-huh. little mantra in the morning. Don't say fuck. Don't say fuck. Don't right. say fuck. Uh, clearly I don't say that to myself at all anymore ever. <laughs> um, but so I, I, I remember used to be really good at like navigating that line, but it's true. I mean, I, I, I didn't stop doing stand-up, but I put myself on hiatus about a year ago, again, because I just couldn't right. manage it in a meaningful way anymore. Um, I just couldn't get on a plane. I couldn't do everything I was doing and then try to get on a plane and be somewhere on a right. Friday night. Um, but since then, yeah, like all, like I just did somebody's radio show and I just was cursing like crazy. And I was like, I probably should have asked if that was okay. Mm-hmm. And like the, I don't know. I, I don't know what they, it was too late at that point, but I don't know what they would have said if I had if they like, you know, right. if I'd asked, they might've been like, we even try to keep it, to keep it down. Um, so yeah, like I've definitely crossed over into the, the, the <laughs> Nice. Yeah, so let's side. get into the, yeah, now, what's your project? Let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about Axis. And one of the things, cause I, I watched the video, I read through all the stuff on Kickstarter. I backed thank it. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank uh, you so much. And, but I, what I really wanted to ask was that what brought you to this specific story? Tell everyone about what it's about and why it's so personal to you. Okay, great. Thank you, you and your thoughtful questions. Um, well, you know, are there any bitches in it? No. <laughs> it's just fly bitches and, and, and hot whips um, and pouring out a forty for your dead homies. Yeah, I just when Chris says something double, I need to say something. Yeah, just, just, yeah, just like right back up again. You just need a fart, like a you know, like a fart noise. <laughs> Where are the titties at? Slam. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, you know, it's interesting. It, I don't want to make the story too long. Um, but it's a fun story, so I'll make it a little longer than I should. I have been wanting to direct for a long time, 
And a big part of that was I was trying to shadow like every opportunity I could find a shadow. If I could get on a set, I would like go and, and shadow directors. And two years ago, so 2014, Comic-Con, I, I, was, uh, I moderated the Penny Dreadful panel. And I was a big fan, Penny Dreadful fan before they asked. I think they had seen me tweet about it. So they mm-hmm. said, hey, do you want to moderate this? And um, I just hit it off with John Logan and created that show. He's like, hey, why don't you come visit set? And people are always saying that kind of stuff to you. And I was like, that's a great idea. No one ever right. does it. Mm-hmm. But I just moved into this phase in my life where I was like, I'm just going to start doing shit. I'm not going to be one of these people who talks about shit and doesn't do it. If someone offers, I'm going to call them out on it. Yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> if like, someone offers, I'm like, dude, I'm going to be in front of your house tomorrow. I hope that's okay. Um, so I was like, I'm going to do that. And and Penny Dreadful shoots in Ireland. So I was like, I'm going to go on my hiatus and I'm going to go to Dublin and it'll be a cool adventure. You know, nice. I want to be a filmmaker. I want to take advantage of opportunities. Why am I working all the time and I never get to enjoy like the fruits of my labors? I'm just like this, you know, like a workaholic automaton. So I said yes and I thought I'll make um, a trip of it and I'll try to shadow on some other shows that are over there. So I like researched what was over there and uh, Vikings shoots like 20 minutes from Penny Dreadful. So I this is I literally called. I was like, hey, you, we don't know each other, but I'm going to be in Ireland. Can I come shadow on your show? And they were like so lovely and gracious. So I ended up going over um, shadowing, like checking out both sets, shadowing on Vikings. It was super fun. I love that show and I love action. And I got to shadow on a day when they were shooting like oh. the Vikings invading Paris. Oh, and it was wow. like, really sweeping. And well, let me ask Did you. Did they that. invade the Louvre? Uh, and well, the Louvre hadn't quite, the Louvre was there, but the IMP sculpture hadn't been installed yet. So it was, it was a lot less, uh, the scope is a lot narrower than, you know, a lot What less did grand. you see? Um, that was sort of you didn't know or learn. What did you learn about watching uh, somebody direct a giant action scene like that? Action is like my jam. That's like literally like the sweet spot of where I want to live as a director. So I have shadowed a lot of action sets, like Twenty Four. Um, I shadowed a movie I did years ago called Death Sentence. Like I, I always show, even when I was on Thirteen. Every time we do action, I'd always show up on set, even if it wasn't my episode. Mm-hmm. So um, this one was really great because it was period action, right? And it was like a lot of sword sword play and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I think one thing for me that is really interesting is I like detail versus scope. So a lot of times with action directors are really wide. Um, which also helps cover the fact that it's some of the fighting is fake. But I always find what sells action is tight, like mm-hmm. like getting in really, really tight. And you don't even need to see the violence as much as how people are reacting to the violence. They did a lot of really intimate slow motion tight shots on that show. And that was fun to see them do. And it was also fun to say to yourself, would I have framed this shot this way? What would I, but we, they'd cut. And sometimes I talk to the director, but what I'd mainly do is go, what, what would I adjust? Mm. And then I'd watch what they adjusted. And I'd see if that was, if like we were on the same page, like what I would have fixed in the next take. Um, <clears throat> Uh, there's an immense amount of smoke used on that show, and it was really fun to see how they because we, we had to smoke a whole lake. We I, well, I wasn't working there; I was just hanging out eating the sandwiches. <laughs> but um, but they smoke like they had to smoke a whole lake. So like watching all the guys like directly out of frame with like these giant smoke machines and mm-hmm. just the elaborateness of that and um and it was really beautiful. You know, was, they shoot in Ireland, which is like you know for the most like an unoccupied island. Sorry, Irish. Um, <laughs> No, they lost a third of people, the people to the famine, and a third of the people left. So it's really, you know, I think there's probably more people in New York City than there are in all of Ireland. Right. Um, so it's just beautiful. There's more Irish tra- in New York City. Than there are in Ireland. I'm sure of it. In New York, exactly. Like, just, just on the island of Manhattan. Um, so it's really beautiful. So a lot of it was just um, thinking, okay, now when I see this on screen, realize that, like, a lot of the stuff was created, like... 
you know, smoke and mist is like a big thing in action now and they use it in a variety of ways and it affects the way that light breaks and the way that shadows break and, and you know, and, and atmosphere and a lot of that stuff is practical. So seeing that, oh, this isn't a filter, this was something they right. did on the day, a lot of that was really fun to see. Um, yeah, and then it's a really, that show specifically is very rugged, you know, and I think shows in other countries are a lot more rugged than America. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like we're really used to being cared for over here. Okay, so then let's let's go back. So you went over there. So I went to do those two things okay. uh-huh. and um, met a bunch of actors while I was over there because I have a friend who's an actor and he's Irish. And I said, hey, I'm going to Ireland. He's like, I'm introducing my friends. And I ended up meeting, meeting a group of actors that were really lovely people. They wrote a short film and they said, do you want to come and direct this in Ireland? And I say, when someone says, do you want to direct a film in Ireland? You say, yes. I don't care if it's like, sure. you know, porn. I wouldn't do snuff porn, but I would maybe probably <laughs> do some regular you're killing. It's who you're killing. <laughs> some probably cool people in this election cycle I might, <laughs> I might try to hire as actors. But um, so I went and did that. It was an amazing, I, I remember saying yes and I was like, oh, this is never going to come together. Because yeah. I, I could, they were like, we're going to prep it. And I was here, I was working, I was on set. Um, and I showed up the day before and I had had some Skypes with the DP and stuff like that. But it was like fully produced, full crew, fully oh, prepped. It was beautiful. I had some people advance scout with the photography. And then I just did a single day, like walking a tech scout, shot in three days. It was one of the best creative experiences of my life. And, and, I I direct, that that was my sixth short subject, but I felt after that one that I was like, okay, now I definitely want to now I'm ready right. to do a feature. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I know myself enough to do a feature. That same writer who had written that short had written this script. Okay, and it was set in L.A. and um, I was I have another script I want to do, but I I felt like whatever thing I wanted to do first, I wanted it to be really small, mm-hmm. and so I was like, do I write something? Do I ask my friends if they have anything? The piece I want to do is just a little bit bigger in scale than this. And so it just kind of came up and I was like, well, let me take a look. And I loved it. And it was kind of in my wheelhouse. And the movie that I'm kickstarting is called Axis. And it is, it's nice. There's a lot of really interesting stuff at the core of it. And I don't want to like wear everybody out with it, but it's set, the whole movie's set in a car. And they always yes. tell you like, do your first film in a single set, which is why you see so many like, you know, first uh, movies about like a family arguing on a table right. or whatever. Um, but but the car is going to move through L.A. So really, you know, L.A. is the set. And people probably remember this conceit because they used it for a Tom Hardy film Locke. And mm-hmm. it was also used in uh, the Colin Farrell film Phone Booth. But Locke, and I, I enjoyed Locke. Well, I liked Locke, it a lot. Yeah, I liked it a lot. But, you know, it, it, the car was the set. But you didn't really interact with the rest of, of his environment. You know what I mean? In that set. Because it was mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. We're shooting like day to evening. So LA is going to be a much bigger character in this movie. Oh, but cool. Also, what I love about this was that it was an opportunity to kind of show people something very specific, which is the way that people in LA use, like live in their cars mm-hmm. and what a car becomes to a person who lives in Los Angeles. And people always talk about the fact that we're always in our cars here. But the larger culture of, of like how we interact with our cars is so much more specific. I mean, your car becomes, you know, your your office, your dining yep. room, your bedroom, yes. your therapeutic couch, your, you know, sometimes your love bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we, you were always in our cars. And even talking to people who aren't in the business about, oh, I was rolling calls. And people like, what does that mean? Like when you, you know, when you get in your car and you're essentially like either having your assistant or doing it yourself, calling 30 or 40 people back because you've got an hour and a half in the car to kill. Right. And you can get all this work done I make there. so many calls in the car. Oh my yeah. God. And when people like- Do you call it rolling calls? No, that's very agenty. Rolling your calls, it's very, it's a very yeah. agenty thing to say. Yeah, that's why. Like, I'm not, I'm not big on texting because I mean, sometimes. But like, if I get a lot of texts in the car, I mean, no, you can't respond. Yeah, yeah. Or right. you try to use Siri. Sometimes that yeah. doesn't work. Or whatever. Yeah. But I like calling. 
Because I can just bang through. And you'll say, I'm, I'm going to, you know, return all of my calls. Like at four o'clock today, I've got right. an hour in the car to return all of my calls. Um, so it becomes, it does become like a second office. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I was just, I was just at the Newport Beach Film Festival this weekend and the drive down Orange County is like three hours. And I got so much work done yes. on that drive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so for this character, he is, and it's, it's also nice because... It's a little bit about um, being an expatriate in L.A., so kind of something about maybe living in L.A. but not quite being of L.A. Mm-hmm. But this guy is a guy who had um, – he was very successful at one point in his career as an actor, and then he wrecked everything, which has been kind of th- a thematic through line for me in my own life and work for the last few years about, like, whether destruction is what fuels art, whether you need a little bit of destruction in your life to be interesting, to stay compelling, to be able to write stand-up. Like, if you're, you know, like, for me anyway, um, I worried that, like, my life was getting super comfortable and it wasn't making me – I wasn't, like – having any dynamism and maybe I was going to be the kind of comedian who like ran out of shit to say, you know what I mean? So this is a guy who had a, who had a really pretty cushy life, destroyed everything, has just kind of started to like push all the pieces mm-hmm. back into a shape. And then on this one single day, that's going to be depicted in the movie, his whole life like just starts to crumble around. So, so do you have, is the actor? Yeah, we have the, almost the entire cast already attached, which was a big You're going to play a role in it too, I'm going right? to be in it, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the one lead actor is on screen the entire time, and then every all the other actors are, are doing voice roles. Mm-hmm. So it's about him interacting with everybody in his life on the phone. Um, and I don't want to give too much away, but it, he really is kind of racing towards uh, trying to save both um, the people that he loves, but also he's trying to save his own life. That's really kind mm-hmm. of the metaphor for the film. Hold on, I'm going to cough. If we're in a radio station, you'd have a button or a fart noise, but <laughs> we, just, yeah. we just laughed over it, but yeah. that was very effective. Yeah, we don't edit. That's so, the dump button, laughter. So what drew me to it, I think, other than the fact that I just thought it was an interesting script and had a lot of like great layers to it was... Uh, the simplicity and the challenge of just shooting a film in a car and that that was going to present some specific challenges. It was a really tight set. And how do you make that interesting? But also the fact that when you really think about it, if it moves to LA, we get to play like the scope of Los Angeles and Mm -hmm. the difference between neighborhoods and what it feels like to move through LA in your car. It's it's, it's so fascinating because I am one of these people who I absolutely love living in LA. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, and it took me a long time to get there, but I feel that. I I think it takes a long time. You got to get used to it. Like that first year, no one is used to it. I moved here from Chicago and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then anywhere that's not LA. It's a culture shock. It's a culture shock. It's so, it's such a weird, unique place. Mm -hmm. But now it's like I go back to Chicago and I love it. You know, I my my, my I got family there yeah. and I'm doing shows there in May and I'll see the Cubs and all that stuff. That's great. But it's just like there's something fantastically unique about LA, mm-hmm. and um, the idea of making it one of the characters in the story mm-hmm. is is so cool because it's like we all know what New York City's like. Yeah, yeah, we've seen we don't we don't we New don't York even have so to live well. There. You know, we know New York so well. We don't have to play it. In movies, like in Toronto and right. plays New York all the time. And no one, we have such an idea about what New York is that you can shoot a movie in another city well, Fox and tell a, everybody it's New Fox York. Fox has a giant New York set. Exactly, right. you know? exactly. And and I think LA, uh, you know, I always feel like I sort of have to defend it sometimes yeah. to my yeah. New York mm-hmm. friends. Like, oh, how do you live there? I go, because it's fucking awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> now, by the way, it's also more awesome now than it's ever been. Well, for sure. Like LA has been on this like 
trajectory of awesome for especially like the last five to ten years that like just so many parts of this place first of all LA is so much more beautiful than kind of the idea that people have of it I mean of course it's draped in smog and we're about to die but other than that <laughs> um, but no that's a good no, here's the to, to address the fact that it is getting better that is part of it the smog they've done from a regulatory standpoint haven't this watch a TV show like I was watching I don't know some show like emergency or something like that from the mm -hmm. late 70s, early 80s. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. The exterior shots, you can't see. I mean, Down it's like street. fucking oh, yeah, Beijing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It was and a lot, lot worse 20 years they've, ago. Yeah. It's, it's gotten, yeah, in the 20 yeah. years that I've been living mm -hmm. here, it has gotten so much better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that standpoint's made it better. Right, and then right. they, the, the streets and the neighborhoods and shit, they actually have put legitimate money into the infrastructure, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. that have made it better. And LA yeah. is a character. I mean, if you're, if you're driving around and you have a character in the car, there's no question that Los Angeles is a character yeah, in your movie. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so you have um, it, it. It's kind of the way Cameron Crowe makes music in his yeah. as a character in his, yeah. in his films, where yeah. you have a location, um, especially if he's driving through it. Like mm -hmm. it's not all at night where you don't really see what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you have your supporting cast. They're through the phone. You have Los Angeles, but mainly it's the one character driving around in yeah. the car. Yeah, um, and now, that and unique <coughs> perspective of. You know, everyone moves here from somewhere else. Yeah. He moved here from another country. Like, mm -hmm. I remember my first acting class had, like, seven or eight countries represented. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I right. mean, and everyone from all different walks of life. Mm -hmm. And then the whole shared experience of, I remember, like, God, Chicago is is diverse, but it's very, I, I mean, it's very, like, this is the white neighborhood. Right. This is right. the Latino neighborhood. This right. is the black neighborhood. And you're, like, where... And not that LA doesn't have those things, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. show business, I think, and also just how spread out LA is, mm -hmm. gives it more, everyone is just sort of interacting yeah. on a daily basis. Right. I agree, yeah. And far more than other places. And mm -hmm. that, the thing that was so fascinating, which is why I like the idea for this film, because an Irish actor, who and that whole struggling in LA, you had success, then you don't, like that's something I think we all everybody can relate to it and you don't have to have been an actor to no. feel that way i mean what's 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 interesting to me about this particular story is we've all we've all suffered loss and we've all struggled to kind of remake ourselves you know what i mean in one fashion or the other i mean i think la specifically represents a symbol of kind of personal reconception like i'm going to go there i'm going to change everything i'm going to be somebody new i'm going to be somebody different but i also feel like we all struggle with like falling short of our expectations of ourselves, falling short of our goals for ourselves. And everyone second guesses. Everybody second guesses. Mm -hmm. And people stumble. And I think Tristan represents someone who is really trying very hard to to reboot, you know, to reboot right. himself. And and to try to stay uh focused and earnest when it looks like the world is maybe not doesn't want him right. to get it together. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Kickstarter movies. Obviously, we we kickstarted earbuds and yes. that will be out um this fall and so we will be we will be guys. announcing our premiere festival very shortly. Yay. We're in something uh, we just can't announce it. Yes, we oh, can. That's awesome. And that's there awesome. might be actually another one. They might be within you, weeks you're of each feeling other. Good. Yeah. Look at that face. You feel, so, feel strong. You yeah. feel strong. Well, it's, it's it's good. What it's you good. just talked about mm -hmm. like this the earbuds for me specifically like I've it's had been a, a long, it's been journey. a long journey. Oh, yeah. and Making a film is just fucking takes forever. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. it. And, and you're like, you're still, you're like, why am I still looking at this? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, just, and then, 
like, tech issues then after that. I like think it, low budget yeah. and even especially documentary because there's so many stories you could tell or could not tell. Uh, I was actually talking to Doug Benson about this. He goes, yeah, it just stops. The time you run out of time or money and it's you're done. Yeah, like, that's right. when you're done. That is when you're yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. you're out and of time. It's just like, well, we yeah. could because Chris and I have had this conversation with all yeah. these little. Well, could we tweak this? The color correction, the sound oh, mix. Yeah. Fuck, it, it, it's it's, it's done. done. It, it, Are there's yeah. layering? Yeah, there, problems there, fixed. There's nothing more we can. Oh God, do. wait till you guys yeah. have to sit watch it in a theater. Have you done that yet? Yeah. No. Oh, well, God. we watched it at Podfest. We watched a yeah. rough cut or right. the director's right. not director's, director's of the rough cut, like an early cut. Yeah. yeah. I just watched my short at uh, at Newport and uh and I was really I was like, you know, I hated it, hated it, and then and then I loved it. You know what I mean? Look yeah. what I was yeah. making. I mean I was cutting it. I was like cutting it, cutting it, yeah. I hate this, hate this, and then I finally got to an assembly. I was like, Oh, oh, hey, there's my movie. Oh, I right. love it now. And then I turned it in and then I had to watch it with other people in a darkened room and I was like, ah. Yeah. Well, well, it's uh, it's also too, like Graham and I have the conversations of like, all right, well, that little sound hiccup, is that something that just you and I are hearing? Right. Oh Literally. yeah, no, because then and you ask all. other people and nobody yeah, like no one hears any it. of that. Or, or even right. like even like a little color correction thing. I'm like, no, nobody noticed no, that. It's like yeah. stand-up when you think, oh man, that was an off show and people come up, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, well, last night's show right. was better. I wasn't at last night's show. Yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to yeah, I have yeah. no frame of reference yeah. for your exactly. complaint. Yeah. I, don't know yeah. the, I don't know the thing you cut out of that interview. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, so we want to talk more about the Kickstarter movies because there's a lot of big, um, kind of big profile movies that have been on Kickstarter mm-hmm. for a while. Like Anomalisa yeah. was on Kickstarter. Did not realize. And, was, uh, and that um, is actually, isn't Dan Harmon involved with that? Yes. Because I was asking him if they kickstarted Harmontown, but they, he said they didn't. They kickstarted Anomalisa. Mm-hmm. They kickstarted Anomalisa and also um, like Zach Braff's was one yeah, of the big success stories. Yeah. Wish mm-hmm. I was here. But also, I didn't realize the Veronica Mars movie, yeah. how much that raised. Well, $5 million. And the thing that was so amazing, that was truly like, the definition of crowdfunding. Right, yes. right. Because fans wanted, they, they didn't like that show went off the air. Yeah. Right. They wanted a movie and they the producers were like, or creators or whatever. Well, they couldn't get, and they, and they couldn't get it greenlit. They were right, trying right. to make a movie and studios mm-hmm. didn't want to make it. And I maybe, or maybe even whatever studio it was, if it was like, you know, Warner's or Fox, mm-hmm. were like, we don't want to make it and we don't want to pay for a movie. So, right. and, and, but I guess they were like, and we don't give a shit. Do what you want, right? So you know, then they went. They went off and found the money another way. Which to me is is so. I do love this era that we're in. I do too. This digital do it yourself. Now I always tell. I was just on a panel at at uh, at NAB in Vegas, mm-hmm. which was really cool. It was about how to make money from podcasts mm-hmm. and everything. And and the thing I always say is, it is insane amounts of work. Mm-hmm. Like we we're talking about earlier, just mm-hmm. doing your podcast. Yes, mm-hmm. but. And time, a huge and amount time, of time. But it is the most empowering thing yeah. in the world. Like as far as Hollywood goes, yeah. I I right. I'm out of I'm I'm not, I'm have no value to them at all. I don't say that. No, but but, (laughs) but I mean like I don't even have an agent. Like they're like they're just like I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But to podcast the podcast world. Well, you're creating your own value. You're not allowing somebody else to define or dictate how Mm -hmm. valuable you are. You're creating your own value. And I think like I was I did a Q and A after my short, and there was another filmmaker there, and he was very European. And I'm not bashing him, but he was like. Oh, you know, anybody can make a movie now. And and I hate it because everyone's filmmakers. And I'm like, I fucking love it because I wouldn't be yeah. here without that you shit. You know, saying like that, like anyone can be a filmmaker. It's like saying, well, anybody can sing. Right, exactly. Sure, exactly. everyone technically, everyone technically everyone can. can. Physically, we're all yes. capable of making noise right. come out of our yeah. vocal cords. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. That's- but I mean, I think also, I, I don't think that like Hollywood is or should be like the last arbiter of like what holds value. Right. It's the fans that do that. Right. And what's great about podcasting, and I'm, you know, is that you your tribe is 
able to find you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You do what is specifically meaningful to you, and then right. other people who find that all similarly meaningful will find you, and you're building up a value that you can then, even with crowdfunding, if you can get a, to a certain fundraising level, you're demonstrating an interest in your film. Because if you go pitch it, people are like, I don't know if anybody wants to see yeah. that. Right. Ah, it's not going to sell. Right. That's never worked before. And you go, well, all of these people want right. to see it so much they gave me money. That's right. what I love about yes. this now, is now when the gatekeepers in traditional Hollywood say, mm-hmm. no, we can come with hard numbers. Yeah, exactly. I have this many followers. No, this many people I raised this much mm-hmm. money. Yeah, like, exactly. these kind of numbers every year. I, this is my value. I represent this value. And also yeah, with, yeah. with crowdfunding, whether it's a, a movie, and like I said, we're, uh, we're doing the graphic novel mm-hmm. um we're promoting it through what we do podcasting mm-hmm. but you know we're doing podcasts but we're we're, we're a movie podcast but you're not in a specifically a movie podcast no. but people are supporting it because they support you right and that's right. really what it is so what you're doing is you're you're kind of like when i was talking to the kickstarter like we have a rep i'm sure you have a, a rep that kind of helps you with you know the campaign oh yeah stuff. a person at kickstarter yeah. yes and I do. Uh, one of the things they said that as we're getting into it is like look a lot of these projects fund because the creators go out and promote and actually bring the people to the kickstarter right you get traffic from kickstarter Starter people shopping around think it's a great product, but that's a smaller number than the people you actually bring to fund yeah, to it. the platform. Well, yeah. yeah, I want to address that because I remember a couple years ago when uh, like Spike Lee and Zach Braff both yes. did theirs around the yeah. same time, mm-hmm. and I saw Spike Lee on CNN, and the CNN reporter was. Do you have that link? I'd like to bring up. Spike Lee's uh, Kickstarter because it was interesting. It was like him doing a vampire movie. Which he he's did never it. Done he before. finished it. It came out. That oh, was what did? was so weird. I didn't even know it came out. I remember when Wish I Was Here came out, but uh-huh. I hadn't. I was like, oh, Spike Lee did a Kickstarter. Where is it? It was released with very little fanfare. Um, <clears throat> and I watched. Actually, I watched half of it. I haven't finished it. So uh, how was the first half? Artsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sweet blood of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, here's what I want to talk about, though, is, is so, so the, the, the woman on CNN was like, was bringing up that thing that some people brought up, especially specifically with like Zach and Spike Lee, which is like, do you think it's, you know, why are, why are you using Kickstarter? Because you're a big millionaire. Yeah, I got that right. too. I've gotten mm-hmm. that on, on, well, in this campaign as well. Well, here's what Spike Lee said, which is such a great point. He goes, he goes, if anything, I'm bringing more eyeballs to to Kickstarter goes, we're on CNN talking about Kickstarter. Would yeah. you guys be talking about that normally? And right. she's like, oh. Well, like, there's, there's two other, there's two other very important things. Because the first thing is that it's not just that, it's not just like a, like an anecdote that he said. Kickstarter, it's proven right. that when big projects come to Kickstarter, it brings new people onto the platform that, yes. that then end up going on to fund other smaller projects yeah. that might not get attention otherwise. And Kickstarter makes more money from yeah, the exactly. bigger projects. So it benefits Kickstarter and they have these big, prominent you know well like well-funded visible projects that help kickstarter live and continue to support the smaller the guy trying to make a graphic novel the lady who wants to make a poncho covered in cats right Um, (laughs) seriously guys support cat poncho cat poncho is a thing cat (laughs) poncho is there's plenty of campaigns where people are just trying to raise like eight hundred dollars or whatever i want to go to art school exactly Uh and 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 these big high flow projects are what a draw new people who would never visit kickstarter in any other circumstances to the platform and they stay. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that there's, there's actually three things. The second thing is that Kickstarter is voluntary. Like I'm not for like he wasn't forcing anybody to fund his movie. Right, right. Like either they wanted to fund it or they right. didn't want to fund it. And it's but, a pre buy. It's, it's a, a pre buy. It's not like you're giving Spike Lee well, money. It's such a it's for typical... him to do whatever the fuck he wants with it. You know, you know you're 
participating in a project. I think it's mm-hmm. that reaction is two things. One, it's just people being crybaby fucks on the internet who just have to complain about some yeah, bullshit. Yeah. And then it's also traditional media always trying to find some dumb negative thing. Yeah, they always got to do the point, they don't understand thing. It. Yeah, like everything it, everything it, has to be you know everything has to be pro con. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, I mean, Zach Braff got a ton of shit about his Kickstarter. Right, and, and one of the things that Kickstarter that people don't understand, like especially with traditional media, is you're not. You're not just throwing money at somebody like, oh, look, this celebrity wants to make something. Just give them thirty or fifty dollars. Yeah, no. It's you're you're pre-buying something that you're they're making something. that you want. Yes, yeah, and you're, you're see. Do I want to see this made? Will I enjoy it? When and it's and you're also getting all these things that you wouldn't normally get. Like you can't buy the things, the rewards in a store. Like a exactly. lot of the, the special sign things and all this yeah. great stuff. You're actually getting something back in addition to funding the movie. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So and the other thing about Kickstarter, I've noticed as I've been on it, I've been funding more things now because oh, yeah. it, because it's a little more addicting once you get on I've, I've done you get, you get not only, empathetic yeah, to what's going yeah, on because I, yeah. I fund it like I not only I um I wanted to fund uh Aisha's but then I started looking around I'm like oh I just funded like two board games a video game and like a uh uh, like a, an architectural coloring book. That's I'm like, cool. I'm like, oh my god, this is. Like, just, I got to stuff going on here. I'm in, like, yeah, engage with uh-huh. people's dreams, which I think mm-hmm. energizes you to focus on your own dreams. If right, I make it a little it, fancy. It goes back to the thing that we talk about a lot in earbuds and in general is the community of it. Mm-hmm. So yes. there's a podcast mm-hmm. community, and I think there's a crowdfunding community, mm-hmm. and there's an like independent artist community mm-hmm. that we all. And, and and this panel I was on at NAB, this woman uh, who does a podcast with her husband and. Uh, of uh, Canada and she made a great point she goes you have to give to the ecosystem mm-hmm. yes she, you can't just promote 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 yeah you have to go like someone's thing you have to retweet somebody's funny joke on mm-hmm. Twitter you mm-hmm. have to give be to the, engaged you yeah. have to you, mm-hmm. be a part of the community not above it yeah right, exactly right, right, and right. I think it's because we've seen that running the podcast festival of sometimes we there's there's one guy in particular who Big star came to do podcasting. His people were like, "Hey, we want him in the festival," mm-hmm. and didn't promote it. Just thought, "Well, I'm this big star, and people ha- are going to show up. I'm going to show right. up." And he played to a mostly empty room, twelve people in a hundred fifty seat room. And I'm not naming names, but it was John Lovitz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one with the comedy club at Universal. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, that, no. one. that one. Oh, that oh no, 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 Universal no. City, the yeah. farthest place that we, if you want to get away from people who live in Los Angeles, yeah, yeah. that's oh, Patton yeah. Oswalt. That's yeah. the antipodee of. Uh, <laughs> but I, but there, there's, I think there's also, in, in, in addition to that engagement, I feel like there are people out there for whom. Movies are an incredibly important part of their lives. Mm-hmm. They like. I remember when I was a little. Those kid, people are idiots. Go. What's wrong? <laughs> and they're listening to this show. Yeah. You know, just utter disdain. The hosts have utter disdain for you and everything, everything you love. Movies um, are dumb. Stop yeah. watching them. <laughs> Get a hobby. How would they possibly um, influence anything that you would do? But like, mm-hmm. you know, I remember when I was a kid. Like, they would seem so magical and remote. Like, mm-hmm. how do they get made? And how does it work? And this is the most extraordinary thing. And and they they affected my dreams. And and so when can you for- imagine this, Aisha? If when you were a kid, you got to give twenty five bucks to help. Get. Joe Dante make gremlins. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> How about war games? Can yeah, I, can yeah, I right, sure, war games? Sure, war games. Oh, I saw like 30 times when I was a yes, kid. Whatever yes. that movie was. Good example. Whatever yeah. your mm-hmm. war game yeah. was. Imagine if And then, I still feel crazy about war games, by the of way. Of course. I mean, I still, when it comes it's on, I freak great. out. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so, but, the, 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 but the, yeah, the idea that like I, this thing that I love that has has given me so much joy that drives my dreams that that shapes how I see myself and the world that I think about that I argue about with my friends that I purchase and I watch over and over again and I repeat the lines from. I mean, when I was a kid, I could repeat every line of dialogue from the Terminator. Right. If I could have been a part of that, or if I could have been a part of something that happened after that, oh, the guy that I love from the Terminator, it well, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, no one wants to crowdfund him, but somebody else that was in the Terminator, <laughs> Linda Hamilton, that I could you know pay to something to, to do something with her, like to feel. Like you're a part of that. Can you imagine, like, go work out with Linda Hamilton oh my so she God, gets those guns? So <laughs> I'd be like, just... God, the open of T2, right? Like, just, just life-changing. Just a yeah. bicep workout? Oh, just her right. curl? Just on a turned-over bed. Just yes. <laughs> in a psych ward. <laughs> Come to the psych ward where it all happens. <laughs> you know? So, I, t- I think people, they, are, they, they, they may never be able to make a movie, but this is a way that they get to be a part of that process. Right. And, and learn and can be connected to it. Mm. Um... And there was something else about people giving, but it was funny. Some people, the, the one or two pre- people that were like, you know, fund your own movie. I don't have to fund your movie. I was like, right. You don't, you don't have, have to, to fund yeah. this movie. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. You're telling me something I already know. Yeah, this is not a zero sum game, bro. Right. Like, you know, we can all get along. <laughs> you don't have to email me that. You yeah. can just right. not do it. Just, yeah. yeah, just no, don't participate. <laughs> just don't. Because no one is coming to your house. Yeah. 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 Just <laughs> either to force you to be in the Kickstarter or apparently to be your friend. Yeah. yeah. Because you seem really unfun. <laughs> now you're uh, you're getting close. You're at 122 with. Uh, let's see. We're, this will drop into seven days to go. Seven days to go. Your mm-hmm. goal is 150 thousand dollars. But here's the thing that I found very ballsy okay. is that uh, it's the first goal is 150 thousand. Yes. You're thinking of taking this to studios to fund the rest or doing two more kickstarters. Well, that's What's not this? how it's going to work. Uh, or maybe it will. I don't know. I haven't really thought what was going to happen. But I wanted a, a modest funding goal that I would be sure to hit. Right. Um, you know, as, as everybody knows on Kickstarter, if you don't hit your goal, you, you don't get, get your money. Yes. And I really wanted to make sure we at least hit a basic funding goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I make, I'm trying to make my movie for like $400,000. It's not right. an expensive film. I mean, it's not, it's not a cheap film, but it's not, right. you know, in, in Hollywood, when you say, oh, I made it for like, you know, I made it for nothing, like $2 million. Is That's not right. nothing. Yeah. You know what we learned about making a documentary? Documentary for one hundred forty thousand dollars and going all over the world mm-hmm. is that you can't make a documentary and go all over the world for one hundred forty thousand dollars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're still exactly. paying for this movie. Yeah, I believe <laughs> it, and 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 you have to also go in thinking I'm going to do what I can to defray my costs, but I'm probably going to have to find some more money somewhere else, yes. and I'm probably going to have to mm-hmm. probably go out of pocket on some stuff. But I mean, as artists, we expect that we understand that it's a it is a labor yeah. of love. It mm-hmm. is a labor of love. But so I said it. I was like, if I set a, a, a level that I know I can hit, then at the very least least we'll have enough money to get into production and then we and then and then depending on how much better we do after that either i'll go out and try to find some matching funds or we'll be able to fund it all the way through i don't know where we're going to end up with our stretch goals but i i feel pretty confident i'm hoping that we're going to get to this initial goal and then we'll figure out the rest from there right but i also i just wanted to give myself and the movie and the kickstarter you know, be, the best chance. There's a, your, your, your daughter's baby, playing basketball. Assaulted. Yes. All right. <laughs> the, the Huns. Wanna... The Huns are attacking. Yeah, hold on um, a second. Hold on. I don't. I don't think my wife knew that we were recording. Um, but I, I do feel like I also wanted to give the backers, like you know, the 
you know, your backers are excited and they've also selected rewards for themselves. I mean, there's, you yes. know, it, the, the interaction really is for them. I bought an autograph or I bought, you know, I bought a, an Archer DVD or I bought, They you went know, fast. The yeah, Archer those, They went like in a day, not even mm. the full day, like the full morning. I bought a trip to see you on set and I mm. want to make sure those people get those rewards because if it doesn't fund, look, they get their money back. But I think the transporting part of all of this is I'm going to have some unique experience or get right. something precious in my mm-hmm. hand that I would have had otherwise. So... We have this initial goal, and then for the stretch, what we have is some brand new rewards that people might want to either revise their their pledge upwards to get or get their friends in for. Um, but we, we wanted to make sure that everybody felt like whatever reward you selected, like we're going to deliver that. And, right. and and I'm sure you're like, oh man, I'm I'm what is that twenty eight grand short? Yeah. So I'm nervous. You're nine days out. Yeah. We were seventy thousand dollars short four days out. Wow. It was insane. Can you tell me what that felt like? Um, <laughs> it was kind of horrible. Like I gotta, yeah. yeah, like, because I feel, I feel like shit now. Like, I can't, I'm like, just so anxious. There, just, there's just an so inverse anxious. proportion. You could do like a sine wave of uh, anxiety and pledges. I tell right. you, like it's, right, it's right, here, exactly. Down, Inversely proportional. Like, uh, to give you an example, it was like last night. I'm like, I'm really, we're really close yeah. with the graphic novel. Yeah, it's only a couple of thousand. You've got a few days left? It's, we're until, yeah, Tuesday. Okay, uh, okay. And it, we're about four, three, four thousand. Oh, that's great. Out. So it's, we're, that's we're great. close. But like, you think like, okay, well, I'm going to go to sleep now. And when I wake up, there's going to be more pledges and we're going to be closer. Magically, so. I, every night, like, please, Santa, yeah. bring me pledges every night when I go to bed. Yeah. yeah and then a couple, sometimes a couple come in. But last night, not only did no new pledges come in, someone canceled one. Oh, so I'm like, oh. The other day. oh, I'm like, I went to sleep. red on your yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. So I really, I was doing like a whole back. This guy, he's had a personal, you know, some kind of personal. So you tragedy. made up a backstory yeah, for so why he, he canceled his the pledge. Yeah. Or his, his, he broke up. He, his girlfriend broke up with his girlfriend. He showed up. Saw house, the she charges destroyed the his car, car with yeah. the baseball bat. Or yeah. he's trying to hide his porn expenses. Right. Or whatever. I mean, I was like, really? Because I had a, like one of the other people in the project was like, why did they cancel? I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, not people get excited about this stuff. Yeah. And you know, the nice thing about Kickstarter is if you make a commitment and you can't follow through, you have an opportunity to cancel. Right. I think mm-hmm. that's important. Yeah. I mean, imagine if if three weeks ago you're like, I'm in, and then my brakes went out. Yeah, my brakes right. went out. My kid got sick. You yeah. know what I mean? Whatever mm-hmm. it is. There's 300 which, bucks yeah. I can't yeah. spend. I, that I need. Right. Yeah. So, but that um, is heartbreaking. I, uh, like over the weekend, like we had my, my first negative day and I was like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you where I was at yeah. when we were three days out and we were about 60 grand short. I was like, this isn't going to fund. Yeah. And I came over here and Chris was like, we got to record one more episode on a Sunday because our, ours ended on a Monday. He's like, we got to do, we got to do one and more. And do it and get it up. Yeah. And just a 10, 15 minute push. And I said, okay. And I, I said in this garage, I said, it's not going to fund. Uh, I, I, and I was ready. I was gearing up for the episode after it didn't fund to just be like, and here's a list of everyone that can fuck off. Like I was, I was gonna like. That's the gracious response. <laughs> I was so like oh, done. No, like yeah. I've given my life to show business. Fuck <laughs> you. Like I was. Well, we were getting emails too. Like when that was happening, when you were going through this, of people saying, "Look, it's not." You know, it's, there's no shame in not having it fun. You could do right. it again. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not, we're not going to no, do not this. Doing I was like, I was like, I'm literally like, I'm done. And I'm like, if the festival doesn't start making money, I'm out. I was literally, I was in my backpack and surfboard. I'm out. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to live in Central America and- you could stand. Couple- this is exciting, my. I, this yes. is really exciting. Just like looking at you and the heat radiating off of your face yeah. right now. You must have been. He must have been fun to be around. Was, oh my gosh, <laughs> I was, was a delight. What about the uh, when I called you and you threw your bike helmet? 
the 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 day of remember that you were ready to go to yoga yeah and oh. uh, you were you were ready. I was you're, done I woke up done. and I was yeah. like it's in fun and I was yeah. like I'm not checking because I I turned my phone on and I didn't yeah. see it we did it so I was like I'm out I was getting ready to go to yoga and he calls what, what day me. was this is it the day it was this the is day Monday yeah. okay the day and we woke up and we were still. 20 20 grand short guys i have a tummy ache just hearing this i've had a tummy ache since i started mine and now it's like compounded by this twenty thousand dollars morning of and we had two two and a half hours three hours left and and i was like fuck this i'm going to yoga i'm turning my phone off Mm -hmm. i'm probably not i was like gonna i was gonna send him a text later like i'm not coming tomorrow we're not doing the show Post whatever the fuck you want. I don't. I'm right. out. Like I was just. I was ready. Yeah. And he, yeah. And he goes, Graham. It's so much stress. And yeah. it's just like. And I was like, this is yet. Yeah, I was just like listing another, all of my failures. Like, didn't get this. This show canceled. Pilot not picked up. Like, this right. is really delicious. It was I like. I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this. Like, I was like. <laughs> it's I've been, so good. I go to war zones. I make a documentary about it. Nobody gives a fuck Nobody about it. Nobody gives a fuck about <laughs> real art, <laughs> man. Fuck you. I was like. Uh, I understand. I mean, I mean, oh. like, we've all had that inner monologue hundreds of times. Well, here's the good thing about with Graham and I, because we're co-hosts. Yeah. Um, the good thing is, it's like we never have each feel that way at the exact same time. Time. We've yeah. been very lucky. One guy's always yeah. been like, dude. One guy talks the other one off the okay. ledge, <laughs> and then it's it reverses. Then yeah. it switches. Yeah. What did you do in those last few days? Like, what were you doing? Well, we were calling you. Yeah, you were one of the things me. we're doing. Yeah, we we yeah. were telling you. We were literally telling everyone to help. This is yeah. the last couple hours, yeah. and people were increasing pledges. They were mm-hmm. doing tweets and getting mm-hmm. the word out. We were calling our, you know, uh, we got all what of we got. Friends. We were like, like Andy Wood and Doug Benson. Like, we said, guys, like. Yeah, let's work something out. Yeah, and we called in some favors, and uh, and then the closer you get, the more the fans then kind of rally. Right, right. There's people right. for whatever reason. I don't know what this aspect of human nature is, but they hang on the sidelines until they think it's gonna. Because it's like Americans just want to back a winner or something. Right, 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 right. right. Like, what's not gonna go? Why bother? Yeah, it's why the ones that fund early <clears throat> go way over. Right, because right. everyone's right. like, "Oh, it's happening." And I mean, like, you know this too. Right. Like, it, as long as it's strong out of the gate, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to fund right away in a couple right. days, but it right. has to show activity. Strength. Yeah. Like, if if there's no activity in the first week, there's you're not going to get an activity right. after that. Right. Right. Uh, but but yeah, when I called Graham, he was like, he just told me, I just threw my bike helmet. I'm like, all right. So then, fine, we, Chris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to say I told you so, I, I buddy. Could, I could hear it in his voice, like, all right, I'll humor you, but I'm not, I'm I'm not on board with this. Right, and you're like, and you're like, no, hang in there. This yeah, is going to yeah, happen. Yeah, we ha- I said we have to fight until the very end. Yeah, he's right. He's right. You're right. He's right. And, and we did. And, uh, and we, we were did. on the line in the internet. It was, it was, it was, and when it funded, it was one of the more like, I, I, did your bowels loosen? I was like. <laughs> It's just urine. All and of fecal all of the did, yeah, they all did. Started. All of us. I, 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 Tear, I, I, tears, I, urine, I, and fecal matter all yeah. spilling yeah. out of your body at one time. Bile, There's everything, and, every yeah. fluid. That could My breast started lactating. I understand. Like, was bursting. <laughs> We're like, wait a minute, what? Oh god, I, think I had a baby. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Though. That's it was insane. And then I had yeah. a, a much smaller version recently. I was like, we're not getting into any film festivals. They're gonna fucking hate this movie. Mm-hmm. And we got into one. And he's Chris wrote, I, I told you so, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I was like, that's really stressful too, because I went through with my short, I rushed to get it to like some of the big festival deadlines, and it was it just wasn't done. It just wasn't done. And it didn't get in, and I was like, oh, I'm not even gonna try. And then I had one that I really wanted to go to, and but I had the time between then and now to finish it, right? It was like a totally different movie. Right. You know what I mean? I I cut like 
40, whatever. I mean, the first pass was like 40 plus minutes and then the final cut was 17. It was always intended to be like a 15 to 17 minute right. movie, which is too long, just not done. And then when it was done, then it started getting into stuff. But it's just so funny because like, no one's going to take my little thing. I'll just show it to my mother. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Send my mom a Vimeo link. I but. remember screening one of my shorts, Hello Junkie, at a... At, <laughs> so this, like all these moments pop into your head. And I got into some festival in Portland and it was some alternative. I got into yeah. a lot of those like gritty alternative Indian. We get to this big theater in a cool part of Portland, Oregon. There's this big, there's like two screens and there's this big old theater and it's packed and all these people like it. They're like, oh, fuck, this will be, yeah. here yeah. we go. And they're like, yeah. no, no, you're screening upstairs. Ah. <laughs> so like, there's six people <laughs> oh, no. or 10. No, there was 10 people. Five of them were like me, my sister, yeah, her husband. Yeah. Like it was just. Right. I realized I just oh. I must have pulled a John Lovitz this weekend because I didn't really promote the screening because I just assumed that they would. And we actually had a full house, but like, yeah, I'd say I did. I pulled a Lovitz, but I would say like. 20% of them were my people I brought with me. Right, yeah. Right. And I was like, I should have tweeted. I was like, I used, I mean, I sell out comedy clubs. Where is everybody? But I realized, you know, when I sell out a comedy club, like I tweeted about it all week. You know what I mean? And I, yeah, and I like got on the radio and I was like, I didn't really tell. And I realized like I didn't invite anybody because I'm mm. like, weirdly enough, I don't know if you guys are like this, but uh, like people are always like, why did I know you were going to be on TV or why did I know you were going to be on the, like on the, and I'm like, because I don't know. I was like, hey, guys, watch my thing. I'd I hate know. doing that. Mm -hmm. So like a as a result, like this week, people were like, oh, your film was in a film festival this weekend. I was like, yeah. And it was driving distance from LA. And I suppose I could have asked people to go, but I don't want anybody to feel obligated. And I'm sure Orange County is full of people. Right? They've right. got people down there. They've got humans. So uh, yeah, like it was full, but I realized like it would have been more full if I'd let people know that I was yeah. there. Yeah, there's yeah. people that like movies down there. Yeah, there's sure. people yeah. in Orange County who watch movies. Yeah, uh, and film festivals are so much fun too. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. there, there's a bunch of good ones actually within driving distance. I remember mm -hmm. when Graham and I had actually played with two different films in Park City. Like I was in Slam Dance and you were in one of the other. So it, cool. Uh, Slam Dunk, was that the one? No Dance. No Dance, yeah. It's when they had like four or five uh, festivals in Park City. But what it created was this giant community yeah. of filmmakers yeah. that would go back and forth to all the different festivals. Right, and you had like this huge stuff. We'd all scene. watch each other's. We'd all watch each other's movies. And it was, it was really, really cool. I mean, it's, it's not as many now, unfortunately, but... That feeling of community at these film festivals is yeah. so much fun yeah, it's and it's lovely. so great. And we're I look forward to that. Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, getting back at, into at the magical it. place that you're going to be going with yes. your, with your film that you can't discuss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear just quickly that like it was so anxiety riddled for you because I it's it was been unbelievable. Very, yeah. I'm very anxious, you right. know, and but you had said, am I going to do three? I'm going to do one with two stretch goals, depending right. on how well we do. Right. If, if we can get matching funds, then I'll be done. If right. we, but hopefully, I feel. I, I'm feeling optimistic that we'll get enough money to shoot to get the movie in the can. Right. And then to finish it, I'll figure that out. Right. Down, you know, when when that time comes. But mm -hmm. I, I feel like now that it's going well, um, enough for me to feel like we'll fund at least the initial amount. Right. I feel like we'll get enough together to make the movie. Well, one and of, then we figure out the one of the later. things that also created more anxiety for me with the graphic novels, this is my third Kickstarter, mm -hmm. but this is the first one I've kind of done on my own. Yeah. Like yeah. the festival was, uh, you know, you, me and Dave, the, the movie was you, was you and I in comedy film. This is like, you know, one personal graphic novel mm -hmm. project. So mm -hmm. it was almost like, well, should I, I was scared to do it. 
I right. really was. Oh, yeah. It was, it's frightening. Uh, it's for you're putting yourself uh, out yeah, there to be rejected. Was, I really was. And then uh, I realized. In a horrible yeah, financial yeah. way. Yeah. No, not just like, not right. just. I mean, we're not just rejecting you. We're rejecting your hopes and dreams. Yeah. Your ideas hold <laughs> right. no weight. And we don't like you on a personal level. Right. Yeah. Now, and here's all the money that, you could have had. Yeah. And I will say that is an exaggeration that's 100% accurate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You feel like that's how I feel. <laughs> that's like, exactly people, how you feel. Like, this is, a, this is a global, people like on a global scale, yeah. people are showing. Showing me how much like they reject me. It's not that people aren't funding you. They're deliberately not funding yeah. you to, to give you a message. Right. Their finger is, <laughs> is, is lingering over yeah. the keypad and then swiping so, left. But that's how your, the artist brain works. You're, is, uh, <laughs> you're a starving homeless person and they throw out half their sandwich in front of you. Yes. Right. <laughs> you just take one bite yeah. of a steaming hot piece yes. of pizza and then fling it in yeah. the trash. Yeah, I'm full. But face down so you yeah. can't retrieve it. Yeah. <laughs> for all, and for all those people with normal jobs right now listening, this is why a lot of our artists are broken. <laughs> is our thought process. Scarred, yes. broken human beings. Oh, broken toys. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I'll tell you. Your company. There, there, <laughs> broken there, there hasn't been. And on the flip side of it, there's simply nothing more rewarding and more gratifying is when people come and support you mm-hmm. and support the project. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one of those things, too, where it's like, well, if I don't do it, it's not going to find it. It's going to sit on my hard drive. There, right, literally right, nothing's right. going to happen. It's right, more. Right, so. exactly. It's more. Uh, I'll tell you this. It's more gratifying, like getting the call from the network or the getting the nice TV mm-hmm. gig. Isn't there's no two ways about it. that's great. That's mm-hmm. why we all moved here. But this is more gratifying. I, it is. It's it. There's no filter. It's no corporate decision. You weren't. You weren't. There wasn't a, a, a spreadsheet that you were yeah. that on the right side of, mm-hmm. luckily yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. You put your thing out there. Yeah, fully. You put it out fully. Like this is a yes. this is a full expression of what I want to do. Yes. Yeah. No bullshit. Mm-hmm. And 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 then especially in this model, then you go and call up all your podcast friends, say mm-hmm. I need to promote this thing, and right. everyone goes, "Fuck yeah, get yeah, on here, yeah, totally." And that's that, what also, I mean, like you guys, first of all, but like it's been so nice when all your friends are like, "Hey, come on my show and promote your project." Yeah. In full expectation, hey, you can. Well, I will promote your shit as much as I possibly can. I'm bummed because I don't have the platform anymore that I did to like mm-hmm. say I could do five episodes sure. a month. But I'm like, I'll push your shit out as much as I can. I'll do it. You know, it's nice that there's that community there. Absolutely, as well. and it helps. It helps tremendously. It helped mm-hmm. that that helped like when it was dark made me like balance myself and go wait a minute now everyone's not out to get you yeah look at all these people that have helped even if it doesn't fund or whatever right so then when it did fund that community support was still there whether it funded it or not right Mm -hmm. and so then when it does fund it's like wow this is something special Mm -hmm. this is cool this is something we had this none of this existed when we got into the business can you believe it it's like such a great time to be alive. Right. It's so amazing that we're getting, and we're kind of getting this in some senses at the right time and because we have all this experience. Right, right, right. It's coming to you at a time when you're actually able to leverage it properly. Right. Yes. You've got the skill mm-hmm. set and the understanding and the perspective to, to know what to do with it. I could, yeah. I mean, when I was 22. You know, which, which is I, great. And then I'd like to buy 20 years. Yeah, it would be great. nice to go back, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be really nice to go back. It'd be great to not be all, right. on, on the verge of death when you finally figure out how to use your iPhone. Well, yeah. let's talk real quick before, um, let's just talk about in general, are, what, what any movies coming out you're, you're pumped up for? Well, you know, I feel I feel very slutty because, you know, I'm excited for Suicide Squad like everybody else. You know what right. I mean? That just, yes. That's not really an original idea. And... Um, I mean, there's some pretty amazing actors in there that I'm super excited about. I'm a huge Joel Kinnaman fan. 
Uh, I like Jai Courtney. Um, there's a guy, Will Smith, I, who I think is it's like his first film. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> a little excited. breakout. So, yeah. We'll see how he does. Introducing yeah. Will. Yeah, yeah. We all got to support that guy. Lil Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting because I I I love movies and I and two or three years ago I consume movies at a much faster rate than I do now. Um, there are things I see and then I'm like I got to get into the theater and see that and like I just fall apart. I don't go. The last movie that I saw, well, I, okay, I saw I saw Batman vs Superman as we already discussed off off screen. I loved it. You guys hated it. And you guys are deeply wrong, flat in every way. Um, <laughs> you know, we're getting oh, a lot of we're getting a lot of uh, contrary opinions this week with Jeff Tate on uh, Tuesday. There's a lot of delusional wingnuts yeah, yeah. out in the world. So I I'm, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you finally see yourself that way yeah. and you understand how wrong you are. But I, here's one thing I will say about it that like I think will hopefully work to uh, to, to as a bit of balm over. I think the deep first of all, just you know us. what? We really just have to agree to disagree that you're right. No, no. Here's Th- that's exactly it. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> We, uh, clearly, I am right, and it's fine for you to, to to believe in your own deep errors. What I was going to say was that what I did like about I loved it, and I think that Batman. I'm sorry, guys. I think Batman's the best. Is the Ben Affleck is the best Batman? I'm gonna, I think he's okay. the best one. Because why? Here's he to me is the real Dark Knight Batman, and I read those comic books when I was a kid, and that Dark Knight was broken and flawed and angry and wrecked and. And 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 that's why I loved him because I think a lifetime of both dealing with grief and also fighting crime and seeing terrible things would render this Batman not crispy perfect fucking Christian Bale Batman who eats an apple a day and a latte and then yells at people you know like with spittle <laughs> forming at the corners of his mouth like this Batman to me was the most accessible and the most real of all the Batman in my in my life and I've seen every well, Batman. Well, I will say that uh, if I was going to say one good thing about the movies mm-hmm. that I thought Ben Affleck did a nice job. I thought he was great. With, with I ben. loved the reconcepting of his house. Like, there was stuff I really loved about it but let me finish my rant which is going to continue for another 37 minutes. Okay. Why <laughs> I also liked it was I thought it was ambitious and so even if you didn't love everything about it I loved the ambition. I love like I love the fifth element right? Now was that a great movie? I don't know. Oh, I don't no. think so. But I like how fucking, deep dark secrets. I, I'll out put it out there. I'll own it. I'll fucking yeah. own it on the street. I'm gonna get a tattoo. That's, that's wow. fifth element. It says Ruby Rod on my arm. We're or, sending uh, this podcast wh- to Criminal Minds. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. This, have, no. Here's what this says. Right. Real quick. We've been talking about this, but we need to say this publicly. We want to start doing. I don't know if it's live or whatever. A show called Defend Your Movie, where it's CFN. It's great, yeah. It's CFN Court, mm-hmm. and you got to defend this. There's yes. a prosecuting attorney and a defense attorney and a judge. Yes. And we need to. You have to state your case. I like art just fine, guys. I'm just saying that what I also like is when someone has a big idea and they really go for it. And, and they don't it with quite, dumb wigs. And they don't quite get there. I like that anyway. I like when that anyway. When they say anyway. the fifth element is sex. That's oh what I waited God. two hours for. Oh, you yeah, I know. It was ridiculous. She doesn't, her English is weird. You know, he's a thousand, she's 11. It seems all kind of rapey, right? You don't know. I mean, right? Chris Tucker, who knows what the fuck oh he's doing in there, God. right? But like, Jump all Gautier made the costumes. Like they were on a spaceship. The lady pet bricks in her stomach. It's it, there was so much shit going on. Like how could you not love like the the pure oh hubris <laughs> behind that movie? The fifth element. It wasn't what? funny, but like parts of it were funny. It's yeah. very French. You know, yes. like it was it was a circus. It was like yeah. watching a, a so science fiction Cirque circus. Soleil and, yeah. and, as a sci-fi movie. Yeah, yes. and there was yeah. just something. There was just something so like. 
ball, like just big, crazy French malformed balls about it, right? Yes. Like, I don't know what's happening, but I have to admit, I'm I'm being rendered a you little delirious by it. I'm I'm buying your argument on you know, Fifth Element. I, I yes. would yes, I would concede that it is a malformed ball. Yeah, that's French, a French <laughs> malformed. But testicle. literally, and every scene has nothing to do with the previous scene. No, nothing. So it's, which is so Some great. Pastiche of yeah. concepts. Is, is it a comedy? Is it not a comedy? Right? What was the president? What was Tiny Lister doing playing the president? Right. And, and then all, what, what movie was Gary Oldman in? Yeah. He wasn't in that no, fucking and why movie. Was he, why was he was his in head, Reservoir Dogs, yeah. right? What's happening? And why was his head bleeding? No, why was his head wasn't bleeding? But that was the thing. It wasn't bleeding. It was like black, uh, like ichor. Yeah. But I was like, well, where is it coming from? Because it's on the outside of his little skull cap. So it didn't come from his head. Is it coming from the sky? It was great, you guys. It made no sense. That was why it was so awesome. Come on. I loved it. I love, every time I watch it. And then Chris Tucker. And then, you know, and Chris Tucker, I, that was probably his most interesting performance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By yeah. Far, by yeah. Far. And, he, and he never broke. I mean, he, was, he, he inhabited that weird, like, strangely, like, asexual, straight. Like, I just... There was just so much about it that was just like, what just happened? Right. right? And I and I I look, there's movies that are just great. You walk out, you're radicalized by them, you want to change your life. I remember leaving, I remember leaving after the like the Vista Theater after the Matrix and yeah. deciding as I was walking out, I'm coming back to see this movie tomorrow. I need to understand like right. how like how radical this film is and how much right. shit is in it. And you can watch that movie. You know that they had years to think about that film because every single layer of that film works, right? There's things buried and buried and buried. After that, they had two years for the next one and then like four weeks for the third one. And that, that's why they're not as good. But that first Matrix film, you know, like this is going to change everything, right? Not as good is very kind. I know. For the sequels. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like... Reloaded, I think, is fine. Revolutions is just execrable. That's true. Wow. But they're another they're another filmmaking duo of, of men well, now ladies that I feel like well, they're also, trying like, to do big things, right? Yes, they're yes. trying to do well, big and things. And it's like, okay, well, here's one movie, but we need three. But we only have one movie. I don't care. And Get it was me a perfect more. first. It was like it was like being a like musician, right? And you've mm -hmm. been writing songs sure. since you were twelve, and you make right. your first album at twenty-two, and then you make your next one at twenty-three. Like not enough has happened. Not enough yeah. has transpired. You and like even for my short film, I remember like thinking it was this one film. You have you, you, here's something about filmmaking, everybody. You think it's one film when you are writing it or creating mm -hmm. it or concepting it. If you're making a documentary, mm -hmm. then you shoot it, and that's a different film than what you concepted. Magical things happen on the day. People come to you with ideas you didn't have. Other right. things that you wanted to work don't work. There's there's an alchemy of occurrence that just happens on the day, where like electricity and magic, and you know, and 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 a perceived problem on the set then becomes right. a miracle a magical opportunity yeah. that you never could have planned and then for a third movie is when post. you edit it exactly yeah. mm -hmm. and so so i i do think that all of that magic the at least the magic on set does have to be planned for it can't be controlled but the more you think about how things are going to play the more time you have to think and meditate you know you've woken up you've been trying to write a joke or something and you've been writing it, it's not working and then you wake up one day and it's like looking at the poster where it wasn't a giraffe and now it's right, a giraffe. Right, right. There's no rushing that. You can't force that. Right. It's just one day shit like, you know, alchemizes. It just all of a sudden it solidifies. And I feel like that's why The Matrix was so perfect. Mm -hmm. And then the other two movies were piles of shit because they didn't have the time between the first right. one and the second ones to like marinate in their own sure and there's things. also there's also there's also the the finances of big studios going sequel so, sequel sequel exactly. sequel but the second one really it's really the third one that is a piece third of poop is, the second one is actually 
pretty enjoyable in parts. Right. And the, the whole the Which stuff one with had the Maravi- thirty minute rave was that the third one? I think the second one had a rave. The second one they had the, no, the, no, no, that's the third one where third they're underground the yeah, and everybody's the- gonna die, so they all fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which. With close to. That seems like a reasonable option. Um, <laughs> uh, but the second one is the one with the Merovingian and the twins and the and that road sh- that road fight, which that stuff, there's like great, yeah. great mm-hmm. shit in the second And, and film. learning what's under, what, like we get into the secret Battlestar Galactica council or whatever yeah, that they exactly. got. Like that was, that was interesting. I, I think they handled that in, in some, some very dumb ways. Yeah, but but yeah. it was it was like intriguing in terms of learning about the universe. Mm-hmm. Went, yeah. Oh, that's cool. There was lots of cool concepts yeah. in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The third one just got sprawling and, and ridiculous yeah. and the burly brawl. It was like too much CGI and like not enough time and right. you know. Well, I think one of their more underrated films, now they didn't direct it, but they produced it was uh, V for Vendetta. Yeah. Thought, their yeah. touch with their hands were definitely all over it. And yeah. it was underrated because it felt it felt like all of their film has felt since the first Matrix, which is like off-puttingly arty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there was still something about the first film. Maybe it was just a function of the amount of money they had, which it still felt like tactile and a little real. And I think everything they've done since then has just been like a series of weird abstractions. And like it just – there's nothing to well, sink your as a, just, as a huge Speed Racer fan, I yeah. thought that – that's was, probably the only one I haven't seen. The, I'll tell you oh what. my god! It was like it was almost like getting a punch in the eye mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. A, with just the visual overload. And like, well, okay, I'm either gonna um, have Surrender, a headache yeah. or uh, right. or, uh, or, have or a I'm gonna have a stroke. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> headache or yeah, I just correct. watched V for Vendetta, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was actually I, it was one of those films that watching it now, whatever it's. 10, 10 years? 8 years, 10 yeah. And the graphic not, not, novel not was even 10, older. Yeah. The Alan Moore yeah. graphic novel well, that's the many thing. years ago. And I go back and, and, and having read the graphic novel numerous times, or the, mm-hmm. there's like 10 issues or 12 issues, I think, of the mm-hmm. graphic novel. Um, I watched it again and went, this is a really good movie in the sense that they stayed very true to the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. They literally took, and I don't have a problem with this, they took panels Basically, right. and shot them, mm-hmm. which I kind of like sometimes because mm-hmm. I feel like too, too often they, you you can't just do like a frame for frame, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. But sometimes filmmakers go too far away from the actual right. comic, right. and they right. they should reference the source material more. And and they and I was like, man, and, they made and it Hugo Weaving, yeah. That is the voice I heard when I first read it. I didn't right. know that, but it was <laughs> right. that was the, right. Evie yeah. Hammond, mm-hmm. and she's a great Evie Hammond. Now they completely changed the ending right. from the comic because they wanted to make it more. I don't know. It was before the Occupy Wall Street thing, but it definitely I didn't was mind like it. had that undercurrent of it. Yeah, I didn't mind the uh, the change. I didn't either because mm-hmm. they made the 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 change because the. The graphic novels were written in the 80s. So right. It was a different era. So just, it probably didn't feel as culturally re- relevant. They're just trying to make a movie that feels urgent and current right. and, mm-hmm. like, you know, is saying something that feels relevant mm-hmm. now. Like, one thing about changing, mate- like, source material that I find is really interesting is, like, I had Robert Kirkman on my show, like, I think right around the first or se- maybe the second season of, of um, Walking Dead. And he was saying, look, I've already, we already know what happens to these characters in the book universe. We saw it. I wrote it. You saw it. Read the books. Now right. I get to re-explore these relationships with a different outcome. And, so, and with so, some different characters, Yeah, different too. characters. People, you know, certain people live that died in the books. Other people right. showed up that were never there or, or, you know, went on to die early. And, and mm-hmm. so he's like, look, I love these characters and now I'm exploring them in a different way. And so right. if you want the source material, read the source material. Right. And then come over here for a second, 
not even secondary, a parallel experience that's also different. Well, I, I was on a podcast with Len Wiseman who said a mm-hmm. very similar thing about because mm-hmm. he helped write The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and when everyone, like a lot of nerds were flipping out when that movie came out, he said, he said the same thing. They're different things. I mean, yeah. obviously not a TV series, but mm-hmm. he was like, look, just... Yeah. Read, read the Watchmen. Go back and read the books. You love the books. That's great. Let let us deliver right. to you a different a slightly experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, see, and now you're back to Zack Snyder, my favorite director. Well, he's not my favorite director, but he's like top 10. I mean, look, well, Dawn of the Dead 2004 is like probably one of my top 10 movies. And not because it's the best movie I've ever seen, but because he did so much. Wait, which movie? Dawn of the Dead 2004. Oh. Actually, that was his first. That, that was his first feature, and he does so much with so little. He makes a movie. I think he made for like six million bucks. Look like a thirty million dollar movie. And when did uh, three hundred come in? That that was, that was right. After? That was his second was feature. Right that was yeah. And I also loved three hundred. Okay. I loved. 300. I, I'm, I'm with you on three hundred. I loved it. I liked, I really He's some guy who I think can do a lot with very little, and I love his visual style. Um, or he could take a lot and make it very little. Uh, yes, I know how you feel. I know how you feel about the flying Spider-Man bug things. And that's that's all DCEU shit, man. You can't, it's like he's trying to set up and he maybe he was given too much to do. Maybe they were like set up this entire universe, set like threads for five different sequels in five different contexts, you know. I just had to t- talk about this movie again on Will Anderson's podcast. I think I just need to begin the healing mm-hmm. after yeah, this movie. Yeah, just, I, yeah, I was just, we'll, we'll hug it out after this. I was also excited to see Cyborg because I was a huge Titans fan when I was a kid mm-hmm. and Cyborg was like the only black superhero that I knew when I was a kid so I was like super excited that they're gonna they're booting Cyborg and now they need to boot Starfire but that's another conversation so, but um, yeah th- were there any other trailers in the movie that we missed uh, yeah. yeah well there was there was the Flash they booted the was the Flash trailer there was um, a trailer for uh, well, Dark Side's definitely coming. I mean, yeah. not in the, yeah, Dark Side's gonna have his There was own a spe- featurette for Dark, Wonder Woman. There's yeah, a Dark Side, it's gonna be Dark Side, Dark Side the comedy. Aquaman it's gonna be like having a, trouble like holding a, his breath. Oh, I remember Aquaman that. was doing just fine. <laughs> Why is that? And uh, Aquaman's so hot, he doesn't, he doesn't need anything to just float there with his mane. <laughs> Are my sun and stars there under the water? <laughs> I was waiting for Khaleesi to float up. Um, but so, I, so you were asking me that, that I saw that, and then I saw the Huntsman Winter's War because I have a friend in that movie, and I went, and it looked great, but it was not great. Right, it, it looked amazing, but it was really not good. Yeah, I heard it didn't do well at the box office. Yeah, so. so it wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, the, the director is French and I'm going to offend all your French listeners but the French not all of them but they tend to be really earnest people right and so they they just it was like very it was a very earnest movie you know what I mean every beat every moment and there's no reason really, why it should have been no no no, no. it's a made up thing and like you know it just it, like I just you know like they just give too much space to every beat too much weight to every moment you know what I mean it's just so fucking yeah. somber and yeah. then the comedy was kind of that herky-jerky like you know uh, juste pour rire kind of French guy jumping out of a mailbox shit you know what I mean they like Sherry Lewis that tells you everything oh, about them as a culture sacre bleu but, I mean you know guy like, jumping <laughs> out of a mailbox they had a mailbox in the middle right, of the, the woods exactly was magical, magical mailbox Elvin Elvin, Elvin Post. Um, but like the actors were all fine. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, they, like they all did good work for what they were given. And right. Chris Hemsworth, by the way, I would watch that guy take a shit. <laughs> Seriously, I would pay. If someone would like to start a Kickstarter, watch Chris Hemsworth take a shit, I will be the $10,000 pledge. He's so, dude, that guy, guy's got like, I mean, he's got charisma like just leaking out of, much like you have breast milk leaking out of your chest. Exactly. exactly. Yes, Chris, you want to watch me breastfeed? Yeah, exactly. We're going to do a Kickstarter. Yeah, that one. I'll, you'll get, I'll get, yeah. I'll pledge to $5 for you and then $10,000. Yeah. He can yeah. say, I only get five bucks? Taking your shit. Wow, Graham's titty milk <laughs> yeah. isn't, uh, not, not selling, guys. It's not going to fund. <laughs> 
Do you think he's having a conversation with his agent right now going, hey, in the next movie, could I not wear a tunic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think, I think he's just counting his money. Yeah. <laughs> God, God bless he's him. A, he's a lovely fellow. Um, all right, well, that's but our nothing. show. You asked me what I was going to watch up coming up. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be making this movie until 2019. <laughs> well, that was quite yeah. an episode. That was great. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. That was so we haven't done a, a kind of a different themed one in a while. It was really cool. And it is Kickstarter season. So um, Come please, Kickstart our please, project. Yes, please finish our Kickstarters. They're, they're both very close. Yes. And uh, only a couple days left for both of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Just go on yeah, they will exist because of you. And you this know, is we, opportunity this, to make art. This is it. This is it to participate in the uh, making of art. But also, you know, we say this all the time, but we sincerely mean it. We would not be here without you thank and you. your support. And we thank you so much for it. It does mean the world to us. Chris's project is long ago and far away, and Aisha's axis, mm-hmm. and his ends on May May second, and yours is yours ends on May five, May fifth. Uh, Aisha, where can people find you on the internet? Any. Oh, just every handle is Aisha Tyler. So okay. just uh, A-I-S-H-A-T-Y-L-E-R and then whatever. Sh- and then platform of your choice, my friends. Nice. Tumblr, Instagram, Ooh. Facebook, Twitter. I'm sure I'm still on MySpace. I haven't looked at it in several decades, but I, I, I also haven't killed the page. So yeah. I think you know, we all probably we all still have a MySpace page. I think yeah. MySpace, in their best interest, is not killing any pages. No, yeah. chances are they're still there. It's just gripping I'll them bet to your their login breasts, still works too. Like seven or eight dollars, right? <laughs> yeah. The last seven or eight dollars they'll have. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. It was really this fun. was awesome. Our pleasure. Yeah. This was Thanks great. for coming back. It. Yeah. it was great. Um, all right, guys. You know, uh, maybe we'll have you on for the uh, spoiler app for uh, Suicide Squad. You want to do that? Yeah, I'd love to do that. That'd be super fun. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah let's absolutely. Do mm-hmm. We'll do that. Don't um, especially if it's bad. Also, you can see Girl well, on... I like David Ayer, too, so it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be our first Defend This yeah. Movie. <laughs> I'm hoping it's good, though. I'm really Me hoping too. it's good. Uh, also, if you want to see Girl on Guy, come to the Los Angeles Podcast Festival, September 23rd through yes. 25th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just put on the uh, homepage for LAPodfest.com the 16 or so shows that already are confirmed. So every time a new one is confirmed, we'll add it there so you can get tickets on sale. We're going to put the live video stream... Uh, that'll start going on sale probably in June, mm-hmm. but you can get hard tickets now. They're going quickly. Uh, we already sold out of the first two tiers, and uh, hotel rooms are going fast. It's going faster than ever, guys, because last year sold out. So, so get on it now. LAPodfest.com. And uh, anything else, Chris? Uh, no, that's it. We've got, uh, like I said, we've got some new stuff in the store, but right, you know, right now, just support the Kickstarter. There's only a couple days left, and then you can hear us stop talking about them. <laughs> right? I know. I know. You feel like you're on a pledge drive. You're like, guys, if six people call in, we'll stop yeah, haranguing we'll, we'll you. Shut up. Shut but, up. But, but by the way, what awaits you in the Kickstarter, in addition to the satisfaction of, of uh, being a part of a cool project, is lots of kick-ass rewards. You get stuff. Yes. Yes. So go just go Real get cool stuff. stuff. Yeah. That's There's cool. lots of cool stuff. Yeah. Check it out, guys. Uh, kickstarter.com thank you Aisha thank you guys my name's Graham Elwood and I'm Chris Mancini I'm sorry who are you two yeah. Graham Elwood I, I had a I cable got... game the stroke show is kicking years in now. ago <laughs> uh, yeah I'm Graham Elwood yeah I'm Chris Mancini and as always remember Han, Han shot, shot first. first kickstarter adorable <laughs>